Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as uh, simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many yeah, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Hey, White Sox fans, it's Brett Ballantini here hosting once again, go figure, it's Southside Sox on the farm. It's podcast number six. Again, joining me, pretty much a stalwart here. I think I've only aced him out of one of these so far. It's Darren Black, yeah. the guy who does a couple of our uh, uh, nightly updates out of six each week, does our weekly update, does our monthly update. He's our miners guide. Darren, welcome. Thanks for joining me again. Yeah, thanks again, Brett. It is a very, very special podcast. I'm sure you're not even aware how special. This is the very last hippie podcast of all. Tomorrow, these beautiful locks, no, they all go away. So then I might have to adopt your different hat every week. Technology. Yeah, hide the hair. Every Every single week is a new hat. But I'm hiding my hippie stuff, so <laughs> it's kind of opposite. Yes, I'm letting the freak flag fly, but this is the last time. Darren, special. You could have maybe scalped these tickets to, well, to nobody, yeah. but you, you could have tried. I can Let's... just feel the, feel the excitement. <laughs> I can see clearly you are betraying your excitement considerably, <laughs> Darren. Uh, we're going to do something this week because it's come up. Oh, I don't know. Beyond just looking at the standings, it's come up that the White Sox uh, system and organization is perhaps a bit underwhelming. And while that may be true, I thought it might be a good time, given that there's not any really cracking, breaking news in the system, uh, and we are still a little bit away from the draft and maybe that whole bigger, uh, uh, what would it be, six six games at least uh, going every night uh, later in the Mm -hmm. summer, our favorite time of year. Um, (laughs) that perhaps we talk a little bit about the guys on 
each team, each step in the organization who might, who might pack the most promise uh, for the major leagues uh, at this point. Um, you know, right now, uh, we're going to start with Kannapolis, the team that <laughs> is uh, last in the standings, but first in your heart. They've dropped again to yeah. 21 under 500, which I imagine is hard to do if you're trying to do it, Darren. So, uh, you know, <laughs> sort of, in a sense, hats off to Kannapolis for pulling off something nobody thought could happen. Of yeah. course, Darren is on record saying that uh, they are going to be the second half champions at a low A. <laughs> yeah. He may want to re- revise that, but I'm not going to let him do it. Uh, that's a prediction, but they're clearly not going to win this year. They're probably already eliminated, but let's talk, Darren, about guys that you might consider most promising for the majors. I don't know who these guys are, and I'm not smart enough probably to predict who you're going to choose. So this is a sort of a fun visitor's choice uh, podcast. I don't think you can avoid, despite the fact he may not have an actual defensive position, I don't think you know, can avoid talking if we're talking about Canapolis, Jose Rodriguez the guy right now who'd probably be our offensive MVP thus far six seven weeks into the season uh would he be on your list of guys who would who would be sort of on the major league radar yeah um out of anybody that is on a major league radar they're all probably in as a actual position guy or a starter rotation type of player um obviously Charlotte has guys that'll be a bench guy every now and then but if you're looking for cream of the crop prospects they're all in Canapolis. Um, it's Jose Rodriguez has definitely shot up uh, compared to everybody else, but it's still got, it's still Jerry Kelly. It's still Trace Krogman. Still James Beard is still interesting. Um, uh, I guess Benjamin Bailey's gone now, but he came into the year looking really well. Uh, Brian Ramos, DJ Gladney, and they all actually did pretty well last week, which is pretty nice, but definitely Jose Rodriguez has probably caught my eye the most just because he's, drilling the ball everywhere when he goes through his slumps it's just kind of singles because uh, he just gets the bat on the ball so much more frequently than most guys uh, on this Canapolis team though they're seven and 28 so maybe that's not really apples to apples comparison um, but I mean he's really showing out he's probably not a shortstop where which is where he's playing right now um, and then he'll probably move over to second maybe back to third where he was in the DSL but I mean he's got great gap power He's got great speed. He's got everything that you want. Defense could use a lot of work, but the bat is certainly impressive. Yeah, he's flashing something that I find interesting if we're going to talk about his positives before we get to the defense. Uh, he's stealing bases. I think he's just uh, uh, gotten into double figures already. Just so just he's not ten. just, yeah, he's just just not acting like he's a brawny guy. Um, and yeah, he's actually now flashing some power. I think he's he had a consecutive homer streak. It seems it seems like he's doubled or tripled his homers just here in the last week. Uh, those are two things you want to see if you want to try to be putting together sort of a five tool prospect. Uh, yeah, he hits uh, two. Or, he hit coming into Tuesday when this comes out, he'll be on a two game uh, home run streak. I think he hit three last week. Um, but yeah, he's him and he is playing like Rami Gonzalez he's out he's much more projectable player than Rami Gonzalez but their stats are very similar a lot of speed a lot of power um for Rodriguez it's probably more gap to gap but he can hit it everywhere uh he's got a vicious swing so if he maybe fine tunes it a little bit as he comes up it might lead to more of an actual like home run power where he get 20 a year um right now it's probably in, in mid-teens uh but yeah he He's the most impressive bat so far, probably in the entire farm system. Uh, maybe 
Rami Gonzalez or Michael Rodolfo could uh, squabble with that, but certainly a guy to keep an eye on for the next three years. And he's a guy who is, well, maybe not an aggressive placement. Uh, he isn't exactly old for low A, so we're feeling comfortable about the fact yeah. that he's dominating, uh, at least offensively at this point, and that's really putting him on a trajectory that makes him a little bit more of a breakout minor star at that lower level. Yeah, most of Kannapolis is age-appropriate. There are some guys, maybe a Bailey Horn that's a little bit older, but he also didn't have really a season to play last year because he was drafted in 2020. But uh, for Rodriguez, first year in professional or in uh, long season professional baseball, he's doing really well. So that's awesome. And he's only this is his age 20 season. So everything looks great. I think he's actually a, about a year and a half younger than the average Canapolis player. Um, so double positive. I haven't uh, counted up or at least um, typed out, uh, I guess, his his errors. It does seem like he more are coming with the arm than the glove. Uh, do you know anything about his arm? Is it an indication that he might end up having a second base in his future? Is it sort of early to tell because they're just sort of saying, all right, you're a guy who's, uh, you're a strong prospect for us. You've played short. Let's put you at short and see if you sink or swim. Yeah, I'm not sure he, so he has 12 errors so far in 34 games. And I know errors are not everything. And I say that all the time. But 12 and 34 is not, <laughs> like, you can kind of get the picture. <laughs> like, yeah, you don't really need to, like, think really analytically and say, like, <laughs> try to find something good. Um, but I'm guessing it's, uh, he he has some third base in his, uh, he's been third base shortstop for most of his career. So he obviously has good arm strength. Um, I'm not sure if he's just throwing it all over the place or if he's just rushing. Um, you can't really watch a ton of low-A baseball games. Uh, but it's it's something he has to fix. And when he was at second base in the rookie leagues, now this is rookie leagues, so it's also a whole other thing, but the, the errors were way down compared to what they were at shortstop. So second base, probably in his future in my opinion, but you got to try him out at shortstop because that's a fantastic bat. Mm-hmm. Okay, you threw out a bunch of names in sort of leading up to Jose, and so I nailed that one. Well done, Brett. You're paying a little bit of attention to the podcast, but I'm not really sure who your second guy might be that you'd choose. So I'm intrigued whether it could be an arm. I know there's a, obviously there, there's all the prime beef is at Kannapolis, but in terms of the guy that's jumping out at you, or maybe who has shown pretty well in this early season, who's the second guy you might, uh, might sort of tab. Yeah. So the most, the second guy is the most talented by most uh, people it's uh or well if he was doing well this season he would be the second guy but it's jared kelly um he just has a lot to put together and so maybe him not doing so well this season pushes his timeline a, a ba- back a bit um but a guy that could move up more quickly and get up to uh, more more of a consideration for uh, major league baseball is bailey horn who i mentioned a bit earlier um college arm but he's a little bit older than uh what a normal uh low a uh, pitcher would be at 23 and he the weird thing I think he was the MVP of this week if I remember correctly mm-hmm. um, but I did write about him uh, he has started four games relieved two games and he's only allowed one run in those starting games so it's like a zero he has a Jacob deGrom ERA of <laughs> 0.056 like it's ridiculous when he's actually on the mound and starting he always gets through four innings because everyone's on a a pitch limit this year because of not pitching at all last season. Uh, so he's just, he'll probably move up the quick, quickest, 
Um, he's also got the added benefit of being a lefty, so maybe that's why they were trying to see if he was uh, improved a bit in the bullpen. Um, but I could definitely see him moving up the moving up the organization a bit more next year uh, once he's got a full season under under his belt. Okay, Darren, I don't know if we are moving within the triad, if we're moving from triad to triangle or triangle to triad. I really can't figure out what's going on with North Carolina, but we are moving within North <laughs> Carolina to the other A team that certainly has less intrigue uh, and probably less um, sort of like no-brainer major league prospects right now. So truly, I'm a little bit perplexed as to who we tab from this team as guys to keep a real eye on. Uh, Luis Corbello is obviously dominated with a, a bat by and large. It seems like maybe he's cooled a bit here the last week or two, but I'm not sure if he necessarily scratched his way on. Davis Martin's a guy that you're still not really sure is going to uh, start or relieve, and he's still just maybe flashed a little briefly some of his brilliance early. Uh, you wrote about Taylor Varnell and reasons why he might not be exactly on a radar. So I guess I'm pretty intrigued here. So uh, lay somebody on me who we should be paying attention to with White Sox promise. Yeah. So this one is kind of boring. Um, <laughs> I'm sure if Jason Bilaus or Jason B was still on the <laughs> roster, I would have said him. Okay. Um, but you got to go with the preseason. Uh, Chris gets a uh, promotion favorite in Caleb Freeman. Okay. And he's still doing pretty well this year. He has a, big walk problem um like it's his worst that he's ever had but i'm sure for some people taking a break it's harder to come back sooner um and it's kind of messing with him right now uh, but he's still striking out a ton of guys um obviously chris gets loved him going into the year fastball curveball combo it's always fantastic if you actually have a decent breaking ball and you're coming up um so he is the best guy um i Figured he would have been promoted by now already, but he's been hurt, um, has, hasn't really come fully back yet. Uh, so he's the best guy, though. Well, speaking of relievers and speaking of hurt, uh, but probably speaking of a guy that wouldn't quite be on your radar, it's Luke Schilling, who's had a lights-out start to the season. Uh, I believe perhaps even from your alma mater, perhaps. I don't know. I don't know for sure. I don't know everybody's etymology. But uh, Luke Schilling has had a pretty good season, though. <laughs> I'm getting us off – uh, track and talk about him because I don't think he is on your radar for the White Sox. Uh, well, let's divert briefly and talk a little bit about Luke Schilling. Is he a guy that we should just be like, okay, you know, whatever. Anything we get from him is gravy? Uh, yeah, I'm more in the mode that anything you get from him is gravy, but I know, I think he was coming out of U of I um, and he was hurt the season he was drafted. So he's kind of a project that you kind of have to get used to because he was drafted in 2018 and this is his first season playing right. professional baseball. So it's just he's got a long way to go. But I, it from that jump from not really playing college that much to striking out 14 per nine is pretty good. It was a 1-1-7 ERA. Like he's really showing out. Um, but again, for guys that there are a reason people get promoted and uh, Lane Ramsey was the one that was promoted, not Luke Schilling. Um, now, I'm starting to learn that maybe Winston-Salem might be something different because Danny Farquhar is apparently the pitching whisperer down there. So maybe they just want somebody that hasn't pitched uh, really often to be with a good communicator. Um, but he was passed up for the promotion for a guy that's uh, pretty similar, righty, late inning, late inning guy, fireballer. Um, so just he's a guy to keep an eye on, but there's a big difference between uh, Caleb Freeman and 
Luke Schilling. You know, it's great, Darren, to get like promoted and stuff. But really, what you're looking for if you're a White Sox prospect, and of course, to all you White Sox prospects out there listening, you really want to get mentioned by the Southside Sox on the Farm podcast. And Luke Schilling has succeeded in doing that and getting some serious yep. time on the Farm podcast. So kudos to Luke. And we got we got our eye on you. But uh, Darren, in terms of someone else, maybe we should be looking for White Sox-wise in, in a probably challenging roster at Winston-Salem. Uh, who's another guy that maybe comes to mind that you'd sort of squeeze onto that list? Yeah, so it's it's really slim pickings after Freeman and after Jason B was promoted. <laughs> um, but probably the the guy that everyone says was MLB ready defensively, just needed to get the bat ready. And Yulbert Sanchez is probably number two, um, especially now uh, with uh, not really with Rami Gonzalez still struggling at shortstop in Birmingham. Um, and I'm forgetting who the second baseman is, uh, but he is looking like a guy that's finally getting the average up. At least he has the best average in Winston-Salem, um, which isn't saying terribly much because right. that uh, offensive unit has not been playing well of late. Um, but he's still walking a lot, um, striking out a bit more than comfortable, uh, and he's still not really showing much power. Um, so he's got to live on that bat uh, or the BABIP, and that's not really as high as it probably should be for a guy like him. Um, but from all accounts, he's ready defensively. So I expect to see him up in the with Chicago at some point in his professional career. Okay. Um, he's he a guy you think is going to provide he can even be competent with the bat, which it seems like he's gotten some stuff together uh, after m- maybe a slow start uh, that he might see a promotion at least into Birmingham this year. I, I think he should be in double A. Um, like he's he he's I, I'll try to compare it to Nick Magical. I, he doesn't have the uh, like the uh, kind of get the bat on ball as Magical, and he actually does walk more. Um, but he's probably better defensively than Madrigal. Um, it's just he really has, like, no power whatsoever. I think he's only got uh, five extra base hits on the year, and we're finally getting past a full month of play, and so five and 30-ish games is not quite a bit. Um, so he's going to live and die by the single and the defensive play. Um, is, but he should uh, be in Birmingham this year. Is And that would be maybe not even age-appropriate, but certainly way more age-appropriate because he's an older prospect. For, for yeah, no, this is his age 24 years, so he's a bit old for high A. Um, he eight, More age-appropriate, 24 probably is AAA. Um, but, again, he's a guy that they signed uh, in the international free agency as a, as a bit older prospect. Mm-hmm. And then, um, no, 2020. And then finally actually playing in, uh, you know, the U.S., going straight to high A is a bit – of a, of a culture shock. So you kind of, kind of got to watch out for that. And do you see him um, as a, a flexible middle infield? Uh, is he really skew more shortstop? Uh, sort of what, where do you project him defensively? Uh, he's been second and short this year. Uh, so I kind of figure that's what they're getting him running for to be a utility guy. Cause obviously in a perfect world, Tim Anderson and Nick Madrigal are your uh, guys in the middle for forever. Uh, so seems like they're kind of moving him there. Um, he hasn't played third yet, so I don't know if he has the capability to do that. Um, I, he's a little short for third, 5'11", not that big, so we'll kind of have to see with that. But middle infield, um, he probably is – I think he's playing more as second base right now, so maybe they're kind of looking at him to stay there. But 
he's got, I mean, he's got a long way to go still. Me and Darren are going to hop into the VW bus. The last time I get to drive it while I still have the hippie hair, we're going to drive <laughs> out of North Carolina to uh, Alabama and we're going to visit Birmingham right after the break. So hang on for just a second. We'll be right back with you with Southside Socks on the Farm podcast number six. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here as in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hey, White Sox fans. We are at number six of the Southside Sox on the Farm Podcast. Joining me again. He's only missed one. That's just because I aced him out of it. It's not because he didn't want to be part of it. It's Darren. Uh, uh, Darren Black, uh, he's live from the storage locker. I am live from the haircut line where I'll be uh, getting my trim tomorrow and uh, putting my hippie status to the side. Uh, so enjoy this podcast. You might want to just pause the audio, switch over to video because it's thrilling. <laughs> Darren, I got to say, you see the excitement from Darren is palatable. So you might want to just get in on it while you can. Uh, we, okay, we have just hopped out of the micro bus, uh, Darren, and we are, we somehow found ourselves in Alabama. Go figure. We're in Birmingham now. And uh, the nice thing about going to Birmingham, Darren, is that there's actually some surprisingly intriguing prospects, maybe not ones that are necessarily going to project into the major leagues, but they're definitely, I would say, a uh, much better selection than you would have got uh, just recently in our recent discussion of Winston-Salem. You've already brought up uh, Rami Gonzalez. Uh, obviously, Mike Adolfo is here and a pretty darn good pitching staff, both relief and starting. And so this is a challenging pick for you. Uh, I'm intrigued. I think there's at least one easy cop-out pick for you, but uh, lay your first guy on me who we should probably have a radar as Chicago White Sox fans. Yeah. So I'm guessing the cop-out was Mike Rodolfo. There you go. And he is, <laughs> he is definitely, he's the best guy on the team and the most likely to get on the, on the majors is him as well. Um, now, whether it's for the White Sox or another team, we don't mm-hmm. know yet. Mm-hmm. Um, but he He's back playing in the field. Uh, he's back to hitting the ball out of the park. He's back to hitting doubles when he doesn't hit out of the park. And he's hitting it everywhere, showing power everywhere in an environment that sucks offense out. Yeah. Now, I don't know if they gave him the 2019 ball because a lot of people <laughs> are hitting homers with Birmingham right now. Rami Gonzalez hit four last week. What is going on? So that's pretty impressive. Um, but Mike Rodolfo is still the best guy on the team. Um, he's still hitting he has eight homers already, 17 total extra base hits. Um, he's actually striking out less than he was in 2019, uh, which for a guy that, or which for any guy to strike out less compared to two years ago and not playing is great. He's not walking as much, but he's making it up with actually putting the ball in play. Um, his batting average is up 40 points. 
uh, which is where the WRZ plus is kind of getting that oomph. Um, so he's just, he's been fantastic. He's looks like the guy and playing like the guy that we thought he was before. Um, I think he had Tommy John surgery in 2019, but he's looking like that guy again. Now, Darren, he's a guy that probably would have been disappointed with his assignment uh, right out of camp. He's a guy you could have seen in Charlotte to begin the season. He's not there yet. The, the White Sox have a number of guys, including one who just got called up on Brian Goodwin. Uh, they've got uh, Mickey Matuk uh, um, and maybe other names who are just sort of there. I don't want to say this filler, but obviously veteran guys, you're sort of insurance versus prospects like a Blake Rutherford. How long do we wait then before we see Miker uh, in Charlotte? Because there's no way he's in Birmingham all year, right? Yeah, yeah. No, I do not think he's going to be in Birmingham all year. Um, it kind of uh, – most of the promotions happen once the um, minor league baseball all-star season comes around. Um, and maybe because of COVID, it's much easier to move guys from low A to high A because they're all in Charlotte – or not Charlotte. They're all in uh, North Carolina. Maybe they just don't want to do it that often, move guys from Alabama back to North Carolina. Not sure, but he deserves to be there already. It's just you've got Luis Gonzalez, Blake Rutherford, and then Gavin Sheets is a kind of uh, outfielder that you all need to get playing time. And um, uh, same problem with the the defense as other players we've talked about so far. Jake Berger is really not doing so well at third base so if you need to give him a break you have to give him dh because he has to hit because he hasn't hit for four years so there's just a log jam there um i still think the most likely top prospect to get traded is mike Rodolfo too so i don't know if they would just want to keep him down lower for a bit since double a is where the bigger prospects are nowadays um instead of the uh 4a guys in charlotte um but yeah there's no there i don't see a huge reason why he's in double a just trying to find reasons that he is because he he deserves it yeah and if he's being showcased in any way which let's face it any of these guys who aren't on a major league team are, are being showcased to to whatever degree uh, maybe it's just a matter of now even though it's not a great offensive environment maybe just not wanting to mess with what's working uh, you begin him with charlotte yeah. he's got to adjust That's to charlotte true. even though it's a better hitting environment uh his playing time is going to get squeezed a little bit so yeah maybe it's just a matter of all right, just just roll with what's working because it's working. Uh, he's been a little hot and cold, but man, he's just he's gotten pretty much hot now, and he's just sort of sticking with uh, the 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 slugging percentage and extra base power. Um, okay, there are a lot of other uh, possibilities uh, to to choose from in Birmingham, including a lot of good arms. So I'm intrigued to know uh, again, visitors' choice because I'm very polite here on the uh, farm podcast. Uh, who's your who's your second choice? Uh, so second choice, I he's a reliever that I've liked a long time, and uh, it's still Bennett Souza. Um, there's probably better players like Connor Pilkington, Rami Gonzalez are probably better, more impactful. Um, but I can see an actual roster spot in the majors for Bennett Souza. He's a lefty. He, they use him in late inning situations. He strikes out a ton of guys. Um, he's had a bit trouble this year compared to previous. Um, but I'm not really too worried because he, the pitching staff has been in a bit of a slump total, uh, for the past couple of weeks. Um, but yeah, it's Mike Rodolfo far and away. And then Bennett Souza is another guy that's probably most likely to get up there sooner than later. What distinguishes Souza? Uh, I mean, really the, obviously most systems, including the White Sox 
have a dearth of left-handed relief prospects. They've already cut Jacob Lindring loose, who's sort of a prospect, sort of a veteran prospect, I guess. Cody Medeiros uh, had a strong camp and I think has done pretty well in Charlotte. But yeah, after that, well. it's nothing. Um, and so you really do have to lean on maybe both Sousa and Andrew Perez. What's distinguished the two? Or has Sousa just sort of got his foot in the door just a little quicker than Perez? Uh, I think I've mentioned this before that he, the reason why he has a foot quicker in the door is just because he's a bit older um, and a bit more polished. Uh, but he's also just doing a lot better this season too. Mm-hmm. And he's getting late inning looks um, that Andrew Perez still is, but uh, and uh, Bennett Sousa is getting more of those late inning looks. Um, and he's striking out a ton of guys. Again, this White Sox uh, system uh, for pitching this year, all they all have walk problems. I don't know why. They all have near double-digit walk rate, uh, but he's striking out forty, almost forty percent of his batters. So he's, if you're looking for a guy to come in and shut down the better hitters in a lineup, it's you'd rather have the guy that strikes out players at forty percent clip. All right, Darren, we're getting closer to the majors now. Let's just take one more trip in the VW bus. Let's get back into North Carolina. Do not leave anything in the back seat uh, or the trunk because uh, we got to turn this thing in now because, you know, it's going. So um, uh, we're in Charlotte, back in Charlotte, closest to the majors. We've seen even some surprise call-ups this year by the White Sox or some surprise guys kept down a little longer than you might think. And I guess there are a couple obvious choices, but uh, then again, the White Sox need arms, perhaps maybe even more than they need bats. So I'm intrigued to know who you consider your couple guys who uh, really should be most on the radar for White Sox fans in Charlotte. Yeah, so I'm going to take Gavin Sheets first. He's a guy that I love preseason, and he's still doing pretty well. Um, The power is finally coming, uh, and it's looking like he's going to have like an actual – uh, pretty near a 200 OP or not OPS, a 200 ISO, which is very, very good. Uh, the only problem with him right now is it seems like he's actually selling out that uh, plate discipline that he had walking or near 10%. Uh, now it's just at five. He's cut that in half. The strikeouts aren't at a worrying rate, but it is, it would be a career high if the season ended. Um, but right now he's just actually putting the ball in play and hitting it out more often than he has before. So, and that's what you were looking for him for since he was drafted in six, in 17 or 16. And now he's actually showing it. Um, but he's probably the best hitter. Um, I'm going to kind of cheat on this one for the pitcher. Because uh, I'm sure most people are saying, well, Jimmy Lambert and stuff. But they don't, the Sox don't need a starter. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to take Tyler Johnson, another guy that I really liked preseason. And he's actually... He's been bouncing around during his rehab assignment right now, uh, but he hasn't a lot of run during his rehab assignment in three games. Uh, he's been pitching in Kannapolis the past couple days. Um, so once he comes back to Charlotte, see if he's vastly improved, because uh, before he was put on the IL, he was not doing so hot. Um, so hopefully that he's got himself right after his time uh, with Winston-Salem and Kannapolis and that he can get back because uh, he's a late inning guy. After Zach Birdie got his Tommy Johns, he was the best reliever in the system, still probably is. Um, so he's a good guy to keep an eye on. Yeah, it's interesting. In the bullpen there, uh, as much as I'm talking about how the White Sox have no lefties in their system, really their two best relievers uh, at this point probably are Jace Fry, which is sort of a cheat because he's, he's technically he's a, he's a White Sox player, uh, and Cody Medeiros. Uh, the right-handers have continued to struggle, including uh, Tyler Johnson, but uh, he's the guy you think as a right-handed arm 
has the most promise at this point still in the system. Uh, yeah, yeah, uh, for sure. Uh, Cody Mandiros and um, uh, um, the other guy you mentioned, I'm forgetting. No, Jace Fry. Um, okay. Jace Fry, yeah. Jace Fry, once he's, well, I mean, with the way he's pitching right now, he could probably be taken off the rehab assignment and put in the majors, but mm. maybe I just don't want to make that decision right now. Um, but Cody Medeiros is not, he's not a hard throwing guy. He's just kind of a reliever or starter that they made reliever and that he's actually doing pretty well. So I kind of out on him until he can actually keep proving that he's an actual late inning guy. Cause now that the lefties have to pitch to three batters. And, um, we saw, we see that with Aaron Bummer more often where after he gets away from those lefties, he keeps struggling and then it's kind of a snowball effect. Um, I want to see him do more of that. Um, but Tyler Johnson, he was a an actual closer before he, um, I think, tore his labrum in the 2019 season. And I thought he would have been up in, in the majors in, in 2019 if he was fully healthy. Um, same in 2020 if there was a minor league season. Um, but, yeah, once he's back, I fully expect him to be really good. And if they need to move on from uh, Evan Marshall – Jose Ruiz, someone like that. I I would expect him to be the first guy that they call up. You think other than Jace Fry, um, and and as you mentioned now, just Tyler Johnson to give you the sort of that late punch of an arm. Um, do you, are there other guys who've distinguished themselves at Charlotte in that pen who could sort of push the major leaguers? Like you mentioned, Evan Marshall struggling this year. Jose Ruiz is sort of like, uh, well, you know, he was sort of the last guy and he's done fairly well this year, but you know, yeah, he's, okay. he's your last guy in the bullpen. So you're not going to pin too much on him. Uh, is there any other movement you see coming from Charlotte to push people out of the way in Chicago? Or is it just at that point beyond maybe Tyler Johnson and certainly Chase Fry at some point, uh, is it just a matter of if there's an injury, then we'll just suck the, the hottest guy up from, uh, from Charlotte. Uh, I think, I think at this point, it's probably just if there's an injury. Um, if you're looking for a guy just to replace them, it's the Fries and Tyler Johnsons. And then if Zach Birdie maybe puts it together just because of the pedigree that he has and the fastball that he has, maybe he can push push it, but he really hasn't shown that he could do that yet. Um, but if someone's injured and they got to look for a guy, uh, righty uh, would be Alfredi Gomez. He's come up from AA and is still doing really, really well. And so he's got to be the guy to keep an eye on. And then uh, a spring training signing. Uh, He wasn't really good in spring training at all, but on um, he's a lefty and they need lefties and he's a throw really throws really hard, which they're all pluses in this major league baseball and Nick Turley. He's doing really well. He's not walking as many batters as he did last season um, or even in uh, 2017 when he was uh, uh, pitched before that. And he's striking out like a ton of people. Uh, so he's actually looked pretty well or pretty good. Um, so those two are probably the guys if there's an injury. But if someone is looking to replace somebody, uh, not by a trade, just promotion, it's probably Tyler Johnson and then Jace Fry whenever his rehab-ish thing that he's doing is over. What you're saying is Charlotte should be better than 13 and 22. They're just terribly underperforming because we sound like we got some, yeah. some legitimate guys down there. Yeah, well, they're terribly underperforming because the starting pitching is not – has been underperforming most of the time. Jonathan Stever hasn't looked so great. Yeah. Jimmy Lambert had a great start last yeah. week, his first actual really great start, which is a very encouraging sign mm-hmm. if they do need to call up a pitcher for the long haul. Um, but he more than often than not is, doing, is not doing so hot. 
And then the hitting's been hot and cold because Jake Berger is kind of plateaued and yeah. looking kind of like your mean Mercedes is hot start and then not really keeping going. But you kind of got to expect that for a guy that hasn't hit in four years, that so he's going to be hot and cold um, and he's striking out a ton. So that's always going to look bad for him. Well, what can we guarantee you for Southside Sox on the Farm Podcast number seven next week? We can guarantee you a different hat from Darren. That seems like a safe bet. Probably more uh, Charlotte talk, uh, more talk than probably the Charlotte Knights warrant. All apologies to the Charlotte Knights. Uh, (laughs) You will see a a host here, uh, still probably out of his element talking about the minors, but trying to fake it really well. And with a little bit less around the collar. Um, and who knows, maybe even another guest I keep threatening that other people will, uh, crash the podcast, but let's see, aside from, uh, uh Anders Johansson and, uh, uh, Chico Marks, the cat along with Julie Brady. Um, and then James Fox, who made the token appearance to launch this whole thing in episode number one, it's pretty much just me and Darren and he carries me, you know, I ask a couple questions, maybe not totally dumb. So then he answers and gives you all the information, all the good stuff you guys want. Uh, so keep on reading. It's uh, two nights a week from Darren. And of course, once weekly with the weekly update, which is just published on Monday. And you can still read that and get all the updates. We pretty much ignored the MVPs there. We sort of blew off the update this week, which we were a little bit more closely uh, uh, tallying and detailing because we've had a couple weird weeks in a world where uh, you know, it's not necessarily all the most promising names uh, to talk about in terms of having a good week. So it seems like a good time to pause and talk about the guys at this point, six, seven weeks in uh, with teams from seven and 28 to actually doing pretty well in Birmingham and talk about who projects mm-hmm. into the major leagues. And, and Darren's done a good job of that for us with, I think, a, a, an eight pack, maybe cheated a little bit. Maybe we got up to a dozen, but an eight pack of guys you can really keep your eyes on as the season goes on, as we're heading closer and closer to the all-star break for the minors. So Darren, thanks for enlightening us a bit. Who knows? We may do this again, say six, up, seven episodes down the road, and maybe some of the names will change. They probably will have. Uh, so I look forward to doing that with you. And uh, probably most likely, again, the VW bus isn't going to be in the parking lot. I'm going to look a little different. You're going to have a different hat, but we'll probably do this again in a week. I will. <laughs> yep. I'll Fair be enough. here with a different hat. All right. Uh, thanks everybody for listening, reading, sometimes even viewing. Uh, we'll be back with you on the farm in another week. <laughs>